Welcome to Real Exchanges, an extension of the New Exchange podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and I have a very different kind of episode ready for you to hear. So if you glance at my past episodes, it's obvious that I love music, and that love isn't limited to any specific genre. That said, there are genres of music I know very little about, which is what spawned the idea for today's podcast. K-pop is an absurdly fascinating world of music, and seeing the worldwide dominance of it has been nothing short of remarkable. But from the outside looking in, where does one start? That's how i felt over the years as I've admired K-pop from afar. Luckily, my talented friend Wei Shi came aboard to help me out. Wei is a good friend of mine I met through shooting shows here in New York. Along with being a lover of live music, she's also a massive fan of K-pop, and what you're about to hear is an exploration of that passion. The framework is simple, really. I'm the novice, and Wei schools me on what makes K-pop special to her, along with why she thinks it's grown to becoming this juggernaut of a movement. Before you ask, yes, we do talk about more than just BTS. I mean, don't get me wrong, we do talk a lot about BTS, but it was important to us that we shared a wider spectrum of what K-pop has to offer, so yes, you'll have to listen to hear if we gushed about your favorite app. I've been wanting to make a podcast with Wei for a while now, and man did this not disappoint one bit. She's one of those friends who's always up for making you laugh and has a great ability at conveying why she loves something. After our chat, be sure to check out Wei's photography at WayNeverSleeps.com. All right, let's get into it, shall we? Oh man, so I'm so happy that we're finally getting to do this. So let's start with the obvious. How did this fascination with K-pop come about in your life? <laughs> uh, well, I have, so I, I got into K-pop pop a while ago, but not to this degree of obsession. Um, I think when I first got into K-pop was my friend Liz Caruso. She was really into kind of the girl groups like Miss A, um, to anyone I think I'm saying that right <laughs> um kind of like I would say that's that's the second gen although people don't don't come for me if I'm wrong but like that's like the second gen k-pop situation the se- second wave um mm-hmm. so I was like casually into them I really liked watching their music videos I was really into the girl groups like girls generation like everyone knew that song g that goes like g g g g g right um, I remember when I was in China, even my relatives knew that that song, like that girl's generation song. So that was the first time that I was like kind of into it. I think it was around like, I want to say 2010, 2011-ish, 12, 13, I don't know, years. Um, however, it wasn't until <laughs> the pandemic um, that I got fully sucked in. Uh, I don't know exactly how, but I started... Oh, I know. I think it was, um, I got the uh, Just Dance, the the sweet, the Switch game, oh, yeah. <laughs> the Nintendo Switch game, I where, yeah, you like basically have a controller and you dance along to the songs. And one of the songs on there was Kill This Love by Blackpink. So yeah. I was like, oh, dang, this is actually really catchy. <laughs> <laughs> so I like played the dancing game. And then I believe they were playing at Coachella. So then I like checked out their live stream or like their their video of Coachella at the time. And I was like, oh my God, these girls, they are like, they are very powerful. They're amazing. 
So I would just walk around my apartment at the time in Bushwick, <laughs> just like when I'm boiling pasta, boiling water or something, just be like, black pink in your area. <laughs> randomly, you know, just alone in my apartment with my cat, black pink in your area. It's just like so catchy. Yeah. Um, but but it wasn't until um, the pandemic that I fully got sucked in by BTS. I watched their performance of Dynamite on the VMAs and I was like, whoa, this was not what I thought it would be. I, I, okay. For one, I was like, like they rap? <laughs> I was surprised <laughs> by that. And also their voices were not boy band voices. They were like, some of their voices are quite deep. Like Kim Young's voice, very deep. Like even the rapper um, RM, his voice, very deep too. And I was just like very surprised by it. And now all the dancing, that, that was another thing that I realized. Like the thing that I did wrong before was like, you can't just listen to them in the background. K-pop in general is something that you need to watch. You need to watch mm. for the full aesthetic. You need to watch the costumes, like the makeup, the dancing, uh. you know, the whole aesthetic. It's, it's, the, it's you know, the singing, like it, it, it's the whole thing to be experienced. So that's, that's how I spiral down in my obsession, my obsanity, like a obsanity. <laughs> <laughs> obsession plus, plus insanity. Obsanity. Okay, I like it. I, like um, it. I just want to know their names. Yeah. I just want to know their names, you know, to just full on obsession, have a BTS mug, have, I don't want to think about how much money I've spent on BTS. <laughs> it's just, you know, I'm a grown ass adult. It's fine. Because, you know, what's interesting in what you pointed out when I was like doing my research and kind of looking, well, very light research, because uh, it'll be mentioned in the intro, but you're essentially here to like school me a bit on K-pop. When I did look into it a bit, I did recognize that like it was so strikingly visual. I mean, and I and I think, you know, it's pretty wild when you think about what a global phenomenon that this very specific spectrum of music has become. And tell me, like as a lover of K-pop beyond like the visual element, but you could speak more to it if you want, like. What do you attribute all the success to? Like, what do you feel people are connecting to if you had to like pinpoint it? Oh, so many things. <laughs> <laughs> we got the so time. So many things. Um, I, I, I think one of the very important elements or like the striking elements to me about K-pop is that it is, I don't know Korean. <laughs> I'm, I'm Chinese. Um, I, I don't know the language at all, but it seems to be one of the music genres that language does not matter at all for. Like it's the 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 international reach of K-pop is so beautiful. Like you see fandoms from all across different languages, different countries, different you know ethnicities, different cultures, different like uh, genders. Even I I think this is why a lot of people take offense when they're like oh, K-pop is just like, you know, teenage girls. Like, it's really beyond that. Um, it One of the things that really appeals to me is in K-pop is like, I, I think that my mistake before was brushing it off as in like, oh, it's just sugary, like trash. You know, it's just pop, you know. Uh -huh. When I look at the lyrics, um, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, there have been several times where I've like just sobbed to K-pop. Like the lyrics are so deep. They're pretty, they're deep, they're very like relatable. Um, there's always hooks within K-pop songs that are uh 
English. So like there are parts that you can sing along to that are in English. So that's something that appeals to a lot of people. Um, but the way that I listen to the lyrics is like I watch the music videos and they have like the subtitles on, which is what I always tell my friends. I'm like, you know, you have to watch it with subtitles on um, to yeah. get the full effect. Right. Um, but I, I, I think I think the reason why it's so international and it, how, how it touches so many people is like you have the dancing, you have like the, the backstory of these groups, like these groups like work so hard. They're so relatable. And also the fact that these groups don't just create music content. They have a lot of um, sort of like mini reality series like BTS, like uh, Blackpink, you know, they all have either documentaries or like mini reality shows that kind of showcase their humor, their relatability. They're like, yeah. they're just human, right? Like they've, they've worked really hard for this, but they're also extremely funny people. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think that's how they build such strong fandoms because people are like, oh, it's beyond the music. They're just so funny. They're, it almost gets to the point where like, oh, these are my friends. <laughs> like, yeah. And I realize that that sounds a little bit crazy because it's like, you're never gonna like, <laughs> meet them or whatever but it, it, it it's it's almost like a blanket a comforting blanket you know yeah. I think mm -hmm. that's special I think even though what you said at the end there is specific to k-pop I think people who are fans of other music genres definitely feel that way whether they're aware of it or not like like we met when it was like you know a lot of like indie music going on and mm -hmm. like you know like we could de we've definitely met people who think like an indie band was like talking directly to them so I think it kind of trends what you describe transcends like a lot of things there you know yeah for sure for sure yeah, yeah. I know we met when we were well we both are really into British uh indie rock basically. yeah I was listening to Arctic Monkeys right before we started oh, this. <laughs> that will always like be a special part in my life <laughs> Arctic Monkeys, Good Shoes, The Maccabees, uh, Jamie T. Uh. Oh, God. Jamie T's coming back, apparently. But uh, we'll stay on topic. We'll stay on okay, topic. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, because that's another rabbit hole in itself. <laughs> and someone who clicked on K-pop here definitely doesn't want to hear about Jamie T. But, <laughs> but sticking on topic, I, I know this could lead into um, a bit of a, a deep dive, but I'd love to delve into this with you. Because when I initially got in touch with you about this, you mentioned that the history of K-pop fascinated you. And obviously it's like, you could go into that entire history that could be a podcast itself, but could you give me a quick rundown of what it was about K-pop's history that stood out to you? Because I, I thought that uh, comment was interesting when we talked. Yeah, um, I think that the history of K-pop is interesting because like it was so different than the landscape. Like I've watched so many documentaries about K-pop because I also really love documentaries and yeah. I think one of the things they were saying is like there was nothing really in the music landscape at the time it was more sort of like and people please don't come at me but like <laughs> I think it was like more sort of melodic like you know um like almost like older generation stuff and like when k-pop came into the scene like it really spoke to the youth more specifically like it mm. was and also k-pop was kind of incorporating elements of um rap and hip-hop uh and it was so different than um it, it basically gave a voice to the youth um and it, it, it i think that's what really stood out to me and the fact that like 
I think the reason why K-pop is so um, universal or like universal appealing is like it's kind of pulling from a lot of different cultures, right? It's pulling from a lot of like, you know, hip hop culture and stuff. And that becomes a little bit problematic too, because there is fair amount of appropriation in k-pop i would say it is a little bit problematic um Uh. but yeah i i I think the history of k-pop is that it was so new to even korea at the time and you know interestingly enough too is like if you think even about like the popularity of like american because like i think most people would agree that outside of k-pop the most dominant uh like genre music, like American hip hop and rap and like that leaning, even if it skews more pop. But I think what's interesting is that I don't know if everyone experiences K-pop of a form of thinking that's relatable, but in the context you brought up, maybe there is that element there. Whereas like, like I love rap music, like American rap music, but I rarely find myself feeling like I'm gonna, like I'm, I'm never gonna be Kendrick Lamar, even though he's singing about stuff I can understand, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, b- before we delve into um, some specific, because uh, like the way this is structured, we're going to talk a lot about some like specific musicians. But before we do that, I was curious, have you had a chance to see a K-pop concert live, like in person? <laughs> yes, I that I feel like that's a whole conversation in itself, because like it was traumatizing trying to get tickets to BTS. So, oh yeah, yes. you had like a whole fleet. Yeah. I should say because we follow each other on Instagram. I should say that when this was going on, you had like a whole fleet of Instagram stories just about acquiring the tickets. I it remember was so that. traumatic. I just the tickets sold out before general sale. So unless you had a pre-sale code, you were shit out of luck. <laughs> like, oh my god! And I was I was curious because I was also trying to get even better tickets, even though I got tickets. So the night of like when i was at the venue in my seat i was on ticketmaster trying to see like will these tickets go down because i know i know how these things work i know like yeah. day of like 10 minutes or like when the <laughs> event starts the scalpers will like drop their prices right cuz they're yeah, yeah. they're trying to like they're not trying to make a loss or whatever you know take a loss these tickets never went down they like they continue to be at at like crazy prices like three thousand more than that like you know for these tickets so they never went down even like night of um so i was like i've never seen this before (laughs) like in in all my time going to concerts (laughs) like this is crazy but yeah the whole the experience of going to a k-pop concert is entirely different than going to a regular concert even like a stadium show i've been to stadium shows before i've seen taylor swift lady gaga you know, I, no. yeah, it, it's it's completely different in the sense that, like, one, the light sticks. Uh, each band basically has their own designed light stick, um, oh. and they call them different things too. Like uh, for for BTS, their light sticks are called ar- army bombs <laughs> because, okay. like, the top of it is like kind of shaped like a like a bomb or whatever. Actually, the TSA, their Instagram joked about like. Oh, when you go, you, when you come through with your, you know, light stick, don't call it an army bomb, uh, call it a light stick. <laughs> and what a testament to their international reach that that's even a thing. That I know happened. that TSA even posted on their Instagram joking about this, but oh, the light sticks are amazing because they sync up via Bluetooth to the actual show. 
So like, oh. yeah, their colors and the way that they blink and flash are synced up to the actual show that you're at and your seat. So you enter your seat in into the app and then like, so going to the show, it's amazing because you, you see like the lights throughout the entire stadium, like light up at the same time, like oh change gosh. colors. I remember when the song for, um, fire came on their song fire like it was a sea of red light sticks um because fire right yeah um it was just it was just so fun um and also just extremely stressful <laughs> i just i've never experienced a show that stressful in terms of like getting the tickets um yeah. get it like it was a whole day thing like you didn't it wasn't a thing where it's like oh you get there like an hour before it no you get there like the whole day there are people outside of the stadium doing uh choreographed dances uh oh my God. like there was like different like setups like people doing like uh photo booths of with the, each member um not in, in person but like you know like holographic or like a standing board thing um it was like and people give out freebies um at the shows too which is like they put together these like um little gift packages of like you know printed cards candies like you know so it's like a very great community feeling like everyone's there and also the fashion oh my gosh k-pop fashion a whole thing in itself like you can see people dressed up like in um like in themed, co- like not not costumes, but, but like themed clothing to BTS. So it's like a lot yeah. of purple because purple is the band's color. Uh, yeah. A lot of like black too, uh, uh, as well. So it was it was just such a unique experience. That's amazing. I mean, it feels like more or less you described almost like a festival as opposed to a show. But tell me this, like in the vein of the performance um, itself, I'd really love to know what do you think it was that stood out to you the most? Because obviously it's like most people are probably familiar with what it's like watching them on video and like they're well renowned for like their video performances but do you feel like there was an element within the performance that just really made you go like I've never seen this before or anything close to that oh a hundred percent like I think just the chemistry between the three not the three but the seven of them um they just look like they are having the time of their lives they're just goofing off with each other I remember like Jin with one of the smoke machines or something he like sprayed one of the members with it um, <laughs> they're just like goofballs they're just on stage having fun goofing around but also so professional yeah they they're just having so much fun with each other and like you can really tell that they're very emotional too I think like you know they got kind of teary-eyed and you you just feel that it means a lot to them and it was also very endearing too because like they seem kind of nervous too because they? they're like oh wow like you know we I, I think they've reached the, hopefully they haven't reached the height of their popularity but certainly like in their career this is the highest that they've been in terms of popularity and like recognition so like I feel like they reached that during COVID when they couldn't perform you know when they couldn't have concerts etc so this was their first like in-person show since quarantine Um, oh i didn't know that yeah that's that's why it was a shit show trying to get tickets (laughs) because like they had a whole tour planned in 2020 and that was canceled and that was a international tour 
Um, so basically you had people and th- there were only three shows, oh no, four shows in LA, um, wow. but in the entire world, like there were not the like four shows in the entire world and they were all in LA. So it was like everyone internationally trying to scramble for these tickets, oh my these God. four dates, um, including the people with tickets from the canceled tour of like 2020. So it was, whew. Oh my god! I'm never gonna forget that experience of trying to get tickets. (laughs) Oh god, that is insane. I mean, I I hope to go to like one of these shows someday. And like, you know, this would definitely be a good time to delve into the acts that we picked uh, to chat about. So there are six K-pop acts we're going to be discussing, and I think we're going to start with IU. Um, She's a young singer-songwriter who's released five albums. Her music has. To me, this majestic quality where the instrumentation sounds huge. And I'm curious, what do you feel was that initially intrigued you towards IU? Listen, I'm going to be real honest with you, Ken. The reason yeah. why I got sucked into IU was because yeah, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that going to be the case in terms of answer for like most of these probably? It's like, well, funny story. No, but you know what? Honestly, you know, it's hilarious. But if you just consider the reality of it about the international reach, I mean, that makes sense you would say that. Yeah, okay. So like a little bit more background. I, I got into IU because Jungkook and BTS is obsessed with IU. Like there's oh, yeah. so many interviews where he's like, oh my gosh, like fangirl, not like fanboying over yeah, yeah. Um, IU. He's so obsessed with IU. And um, so I was like, you know what? I'll, ch- I'll check out what he's talking about. Like why he's so obsessed with her. And then also I think the first song I checked out by IU uh, was the one that was produced by Suga. Um, so Suga is another member of uh, BTS. So I was another reason why I was so intrigued. Um, and I just, when I watched the music video for that, I went down another gigantic rabbit hole because mm. I was just like, oh gosh, wait, what is this song? I have to look it up now. It's like escaping my memory for now. Yeah, I went down an entire rabbit hole about it because the song is essentially about um, her other K-pop friends who, oh, the song's called Eight, uh, okay. featuring Suga. Um, the song is about her two friends committing suicide. They were both like oh. uh, K-pop idols uh, that committed suicide. Um, so I doubt, da- I mean, that's another dark side of K-pop, right? Like the sort of like, pressure is the media attention that honestly like the cyber bullying you know like they k-pop stars are faced with so much uh public scrutiny and hate <laughs> um and so she had these two friends that basically committed suicide and the song is about that uh oh, wow. i watched the music video it was beautiful um yeah and I, I I read the lyrics. I had the subtitles on for the music video, and I just watched it over and over and over again, sobbing <laughs> because you know I've I've lost a couple of friends too, and like reading the lyrics is just like, oh gosh, it, it's um, I was surprised. Like that was that was another example of where I was like, wow, like K-pop isn't just stupid. <laughs> like yeah. K-pop isn't just like you know, superficial, like, people dancing and, like, pretty hair and stuff. Um, It's, the lyrics are quite powerful. 
Yeah, so that's 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 how I got into IU, and and then I started checking out some of our other songs, and some of them are just they're just really like breezy, you know? They're really breezy, catchy. Um, they they have a certain like she has a certain um, quality of elegance and grace, yeah. uh, both in her sort of appearance and also like her singing and her songs. Like, like there's a certain maturity to it, like. I don't know what it is about it, but it, when I listen to the songs, I'm like, oh, shit, you've gone through some stuff. <laughs> like, I noticed that what you just described, I noticed that in the song that she has called Good Day. And I remember lis- I listened to that. And it's I think that's also like one of the tunes that propelled her to stardom. And yeah, that's a really like powerful song as well. Yeah, I just what what did you what did you like about her stuff? You know what? And it's interesting that you said that about that song eight, like the story behind it, which the way she came across to me within her music, because I did the same thing where I had the subtitles on. She mm-hmm. came across as someone who was kind of open about trying to figure things out emotionally in terms of like how her lyrics are structured, but almost like with this assurance, like projecting this type of assurance that it was okay. And I thought that was really compelling from the fact that I, similarly to you, I don't know or understand uh korean at all and i grew up in a different place but like it kind of shows how like music can transcend even if you're reading subtitles along with it it's yeah i've I've, that's kind of like the general vibe that i got for that there's like this almost sense of openness in a way yeah it's definitely very vulnerable um I, i i think and i think that's what makes this like recent generation of k-pop a bit more different i i think like even though that these people are so, you know, well, like put together and all that stuff, like so many of their songs are just really relatable. And I mean, I guess we're going back to BTS a little bit here by me (laughs) saying this, that one of the things that really surprised me about BTS was that a lot of their lyrics um, and songs are not about romantic love. A lot of them are are about self-love and just like, finding peace within yourself and loving yourself. And I think that's what resonates so strongly with their fandom. Um, the fact that, you know, it's it's not about like, oh, fi- finding the love of your life or like, oh, like you're going through a breakup or whatever. It's like so many of the lyrics are about like finding hope and strength within yourself and like finding your own identity and like being strong and like, I, I think that's such a positive message for uh, the youth now, especially, and not just the youth, like even people my age, like in my 30s. I think yeah. that so much of society is focused on romantic love that we should be taking a step back and looking more at like, okay, like mental health, um, like your, yeah. your self-love, like what do you want? Um, that sort of thing, like being strong on your own. Um, and I, I think that's such a positive message to send to youth especially with social media and um the pressures of like like living in uh, growing up as a teenager in the social media age like I can't imagine having that amount of pressure and like visibility and like you know so I I think that these bands um giving that sort of hope and like giving that sort of like you gotta love yourself like I think they even have an album called love yourself or something (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah so it, it's it's just such a positive message it's kind of wild to me you know because it's like 
even outside of the context of uh, Korea, I almost feel like this is very, I mean, we keep saying international, but significant in a sense where what you just described with BTS specifically, like the element of self-love and projecting that, like, I obviously haven't grown up in like the Eastern hemisphere of the world. And I'm sure there's a lot of different ways, different societies function that I'm like ignorant to, but I'm sure something that is a fact is that no matter where you're in the world, projecting an aspect of self-love is radical in the face of where you, you exist in day to day. So that's really interesting with BTS, like, and the IU as well, in the context of the way we discussed that. Oh, 100%. And I, I think, like, me being Chinese, it resonated a lot with me because, like, I, I have grown up in China for a portion of my life. And, you know, there is a lot of pressure put on um, I mean, you've seen the memes like in subtle Asian traits and stuff like mm. there is an extreme amount of pressure put on children <laughs> in Asia. Um, and I, I can't speak directly on, on Korea, but I can speak to China and the fact that like, <laughs> you know, you, you see all those memes of like, hey, why not A plus? <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and that's definitely true. There's like there's a lot of pressure to like perform. Um, you hear about. Uh, a lot of like suicides happening around exam times you know not just in China but like in, in Japan and like you know there's a lot of pressures being put on academics and you know from my perspective I think that there's a lot of pressure being put on academics in China because of the population there's just so many people there that yeah. in order to be there's just more competition in order to like have a good life and be competitive and whatever you, you have to be competitive, you have to perform. So I think that the population and definitely the culture of like, you know, not disart, like bringing, making your parents proud, you know, yeah. that's, it's very much in integral in Asian culture. So I, I think that having this sort of dialogue and having music where it speaks to the youth and gives them more of an identity and like is telling them like you know it's so it, 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 like it's okay to love yourself it's okay to like not be so hard on yourself it's super important in that culture itself like it's universal yes like every every youth struggles with like feelings of self-worth and stuff but I definitely feel like you know at least for me like growing up in China for a portion of my life I'm like oh like I I, I love this you know because like mm. when I was in China it was very much like oh like you're a young lady shouldn't do this and like you're too loud you're too opinionated for a girl and like blah 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 and like I I just think that it's so meaningful having that and even the fact that I think in South Korea like homosexuality is not like widely accepted I don't believe you can get married uh same-sex marriages and stuff okay. like having this sort of like not overt having ha like BTS kind of like treading the line of saying like hey like love yourself for whatever you you are like whatever yeah. you know I think it's like such a good good thing <laughs> yeah all right. Well, I'm glad you were able to highlight all that because I think, you know, that that I mean, I could say for me personally, someone who doesn't know much about K-pop, that definitely helps me see it in like a more expansive light. And, you know, going back into like the acts we're going to discuss, um, the next one we're going to talk about is Red Velvet. And they're an all girl group that have 
to me anyway, these very pointed lyrics that are dripped in these like kind of candy soaked pop beats, but you know, they generally do sound pretty badass. Do you feel that contrast is part of what intrigued you towards them? Like there's like a bit of sweetness, but it's almost like pointy. You're nodding your head. So, okay. I'm glad to know that wasn't just me. <laughs> no, I, so I love Red Velvet because I think they're actually probably my favorite, like girl group, um, oh, okay. girl group, K-pop band, uh, because they're odd, like almost all of their music videos are them trying to kill each other off or some <laughs> form of like violence. Um, where I was like, this is not what I was expecting. Um, yeah, I was just, I was surprised. <laughs> they're definitely like the, they're not goth, but they're definitely like the sort of weirdos of the K- the K-pop girl group situation okay. where like their song Psycho has a very like gothic like vibe to it where they're like you know it's kind of eerie it almost feels like they're in a haunted house like you know and and they they have their other song um Peekaboo which I think looks like it was filmed in LA in like kind of the Angelino Heights area in a, a Victorian house uh yeah. and it's definitely like you know they kidnap this this poor pizza delivery guy and it's very like kind of like eerie right it's like they're all they're super pale they're dressed in like blood red and like black and stuff so it definitely appeals the aesthetics of it appeal to me this is once again another thing where it's like you need you need to experience k-pop visually like the full picture but beyond that red velvet i really like them because they're just really good singers. Um, I think I watched a unplugged session of theirs or like not like not on TV unplugged, but yeah. like a, an acoustic version of them singing Psycho. And I was just like, wow, these girls, they can sing. They're, they're very good. Um, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. That's what I, appealed to me about them. I definitely sing them a lot in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, very badly too because i still don't know <laughs> korean despite for over 400 days of duolingo <laughs> i was gonna bring that up because yeah earlier we brought up how you don't know much korean but i remember you post like your duolingo stats from time to time and that kind of like that kind of sits at something i want to ask you about in the context of red velvet because i know they aren't the only ones who do this but i did find their their uh, balance of using english and uh korean within their songs to be quite striking and I'm curious for you as someone who understands both or at least, you know, modestly understands a little Korean, like how does that land on your ears? Cause I, I imagine it's quite unique, right? I love it because like, I feel like I can, I can sing along to the English parts, but then now as I've, I've continued to learn more Korean, I can understand like certain verbs and uh, nouns to the songs, which is interesting. Uh, but I don't know why I thought I would learn Korean so quickly because I still, I, my Mandarin is still trash. Like I, whenever I go to like Chinese restaurants and the waiter waitress speaks to me in Mandarin, I like go into panic. (laughs) I'm just like, ah, and I answer in English. Uh, Even Uh though I like, Mandarin is my first language. I was born in China, you know, but I grew up so much I almost said England. I did not. Cry. 
Although, yeah, it just, but I am starting to understand certain things about it. Um, but it's fun. I think it's fun. Uh, and it's also, I've never been, no, actually, that's a lie. I've, I've, go, I've gone through several obsessions where I get obsessed with something and I try and learn the language. Like, I got obsessed with Moulin Rouge and then that just pushed me into learning French. So, oh, yeah. Part two. But, <laughs> but going back to the Red Velvet thing, do you feel like the way their songs are, it's different for you as opposed to some of the other acts that have English and Korean? Yeah. Um, I think that, well, I think most K-pop songs, they have a formula where they do have certain parts of the hook or like the chorus or whatever where they have like a line in English or like even a couple words sprinkled in um but with Red Velvet um it's just it just makes it so much more fun you know especially I love seeing Psycho uh you know that's Um, that's one of them that stood out to me that is a really great song yeah it's just so catchy it's so like it's just fun like you got me feeling like a psycho psycho (laughs) (laughs) and then like randomly like it switches back to korean yeah Um, yeah it just it's very satisfying it actually reminds me of how um i speak in mandarin to my parents (laughs) oh really (laughs) because like i'll i'll start certain sentences in english and then i'll like Slice it in Mandarin in there, or like you know, or I'll I'll try and say the entire sentence in Mandarin, but then like I can't think of the word in Mandarin, so I'll like insert English in there. So it'll be like a Frankenstein sentence. Yeah, my uh, that's kind are... of how I feel about Korean songs, like K-pop songs. <laughs> like it, it's like a Frankenstein situation. Yeah. You know, I also I don't like it. I don't like it when K-pop bands like do all English songs. Um, you don't. Yeah, because I, I feel like it loses, uh, it loses a depth that you have with their all Korean songs. Um, It doesn't feel as like meaningful. Like the the lyrics are kind of just like, listen, I know that dynamite is what pulled me into BTS, but I'm like, this song has no substance. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, like light up the sky like dynamite. I don't know. I'm like, it's just. Well, wait, in the context of like the acts, because we have a list going, like the acts we're talking. Uh, and I, I structured it naturally, but okay, we are at the bit where we're about to talk about BTS exclusively. Um, oh, yeah, are we? we? Yeah, we are. We have talked about a bit already, but we're going to talk about them specifically. So they're clearly, it's, it's kind of interesting. They generally don't need any introduction. They're clearly one of the biggest acts in the world with a popularity that's just beyond earth shattering. And in a weird way, they're a group I feel people still don't know a lot about. That's kind of like the weird dichotomy of how popular they are. So firstly, could you give me like a two minute rundown of who BTS are and how they got here? Yeah, so basically I would say I was surprised at how long BTS has been around for. Um, They debut in 2013, I think. Let me double check that with a quick Google. But basically, they were much like many um, K-pop bands. They were assembled by a management company. Um, 
their management company is called Big Hit. They they represent a couple of other bands too. I branched out and I watched like to to Tomorrow by Together, which is another one by Big Hit that I really like. But yeah, so they debut around 2013, but they have been training prior to that. Um, initially, I think it, it's funny how each one joined. Like I know V, uh, he joined. <laughs> he went to the audition. To, to support his friend that was auditioning uh he did not actually anticipate auditioning but then he just auditioned and his friend didn't make it but he did oh, wow. <laughs> yeah um and then I believe two of the members were already fairly well known in the sort of like underground rap world right um so like RM he was rapper who already had some sort of some traction in the rap scene at the time um and then there was also j-hope he was a really good he's like the dancer of the group uh but he also raps as well and it's funny because suga i think he originally he didn't even want any of this like he wanted to be a music producer <laughs> um but he ended up being in the band too uh oh, and i know I that yeah, and then Jungkook, who is the youngest, he also auditioned too. He didn't even finish. He at at the time he did, he hadn't even graduated from high school. So uh, it's very common for a lot of these like K-pop acts to basically join the management company and train for several years before they actually debut. Uh, okay. Lots of documentaries about that. Blackpink also did that as well. Um, you know, they auditioned, they uh, trained for several years. And a lot of the times when you, you know, train, there isn't a guarantee that you're actually going to debut. Like a lot of the times, like when you're training, you actually get cut or like imagine like the heartbreak of like training for years and years to not even debut. Um, yeah, it's a much uh, different and- circumstance, but like, you know, just to add like a bit of a correlation, like, like there was a time in my life where I was super into soccer and internationally, that's a big thing in the context of how a lot of these clubs acquire players where you start very young and like these youth clubs and you're essentially being groomed at a young age, but that guarantee is never there that you actually be part of the squad really. So it's a much different context considering we're talking about like entertainment and what they have to do, but <laughs> it is interesting how that dynamic kind of exists elsewhere in a different way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a whole, the whole training element is like a whole thing in itself, right? There's, it's, there are elements of it that's really pro- problematic too, in terms of like you know overworking essentially kids. You know, a lot of these people are not eighteen; they're they're children, um, and eating disorders, pressures, that sort of thing. But a lot of it, I, I think it also, and not to mention like some of the management company contracts are quite restrictive. Um, you know, and and not the best deal for the artists themselves. But I think it de- depends a lot. Uh, so like uh, within the K-pop world, the main ones, I would say like JYP, uh, SM Entertainment, um, those are kind of like the main ones. Uh, yeah. a big hit, obviously. So, although now they're called um, Hybe Entertainment. They rebranded. Uh, <laughs> or- I was going to say, not the best name considering like a bad reputation, not bad, but like a dicey reputation. So let's nice stay yeah. real. So. Yeah, I'm but t- that's kind of the history of uh, how BTS formed. They were assembled in many ways. It, and also the way that Jin, he's the eldest member of the group, came into the band was, um, I think he was just like, they 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 recruited him because he was so handsome. <laughs> so, 
Uh, it was just like uh, like on the street or something. He, I think he actually want, was studying theater or like wanted to be an okay. actor or something and like didn't actually have that background. But they were like, oh, his visuals. Like you'll hear that a lot in K-pop land. They'll refer to things as like, oh, he's the visual of the group. Meaning like, okay. oh, he's like the, the, the beauty, the aesthetic of the group. Like, um, so a lot of people will say like, oh, like, RM, Sugar, and J-Hope are the rappers of the group. And then, like, the visuals are Tate, uh, Tate, Kim Tae-young, a.k.a. B, uh, and Jungkook are the visuals of the group. So, and and then also Jin. Um, yeah. But, yeah. So, they, they all have... That's what I love about these K-pop groups. They all have their... Um, they all have their duties, not duties, but they're, they're, they all play their roles within the group itself. And, yeah. you know, we're jumping around a bit, but like Blackpink very much as well. Like you have the rapper of the group, Lalisa, um, and then you have like the ones that are more sort of like the singers and like they all kind of like play their role within the group and you put them together and it, it just like forms such a perfect dynamic. Yeah that you can't really like recreate. That's why I, with BTS, I'm like, you can't, it's not the same if you pluck one out or like replace yeah. one of them. Um, I think that's another reason why getting tickets to their show was so hard because in South Korea, you need to, military ser- service is mandatory and you need to join uh-huh. by a certain age. And then although in 2020, they extended that age if you're like a, um, I think public figure or something like that in a K-pop group or something, but you still have to serve. They just like extended the age, the deadline for it. But Jen, the eldest member, basically has to sign up by end of this year, 2022. So that's why extra hard to get these friggin' tickets because I think everyone was like, we don't know if we're going to have another chance to see them all together. What a crazy um, dynamic. Holy shit. Yeah. So that's that's why, because like he has to enlist by the end of this year. <laughs> you know, when you think about popularity, right, it leaves a lot of room for misinterpretations and uncertainty. And I wonder, like, when you consider how you're a fan of BTS, what do you feel it is that is misunderstood about them? I would say that the fact that they're just a boy band. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's like misunderstood that and I think the fandom gets really angry about this when, I mean, there's this whole thing about like James Corden when he like joked about, oh, like the teenage girl fandom or whatever, like the the army like went after James Corden because he, he was like misrepresenting things. And I will say though, the fandom can be a bit toxic. They've done a lot of good things. Like they've like banded together to sort of like do a lot of volunteering work and like uh donate donating and like um just like really positive work but at the same time the fandom can be extremely toxic as well so um i think that i think that people misunderstand the fandom a lot because i'm not a teenage girl i'm i listen to a plethora of music (laughs) i listen to lots of indie rock that's probably my favorite genre i listen to a lot of rap as well a lot of electronic music as well so i I listen to a lot of different kinds of music right i went through an emo phase when i was a kid all that stuff you know taking back sunday like thursday love thursday um but i still freaking love bts because 
their songs are so different. Uh, that's another thing that I think that people misunderstand. Like they only listen to their English language songs like Dynamite and Butter. And I think that this is such a misrepresentation of the group because those songs are fully in English. Yes, they're catchy, but they're lacking in substance. Um, when I listen to their earlier songs, um, their earlier songs are quite, they're, they're really like, hard i guess yeah uh, in, in even air quotes sound. for hard that's kind of funny yeah like they're they're, I, I, they're like some of their stuff is a little bit try hard i will say and a little yeah. bit cringy their earlier stuff but yeah. like some of their earlier stuff is really like rocky and like really like rappy and like just like really catchy and like very surprising to me like they're not sugary pop they're when i listen to spinebreaker or bopse which is a uh, a golden spoon um these songs are like bops or even mic drop like mic drop I would recommend that as like the gateway for anybody wanting to listen to uh BTS like that one featuring Steve Aoki like it it was wow I was like this is a big fuck you song like this is a good hype song you know (laughs) for for me to like be like yeah like fuck the haters like it's very much like not what I expected for a K-pop boy band. So I think that's another thing that is kind of uh, misrepresented or misunderstood about them. Um, And then I I think from a personal standpoint, it's always been very gratifying for me to see an Asian band have such success internationally and be recognized in America and beyond. Because growing up, I didn't see any Asians on TV, in music, anything, you yeah. know? So for me, it, it, it's very personally gratifying to see them have success. Like, and I don't want them to have success based on their English songs, but I understand that they're playing the game. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that, that's really beautiful. Like, like what you said at the end there, that's really beautiful. So when I was doing my research for this episode, I found myself in like this uh, BTS rabbit hole. And I have to say that that tune with uh, we talked about this a little bit before the recorder, but that tune of Halsey, uh, Boy With Love is, uh, I mean, it fucking slaps like that tune slaps. Yeah, it's great. Um, I think I also really enjoyed watching kind of the behind the scenes stuff where you see Halsey like rehearsing with them like doing the dance moves with them and stuff I think Halsey also gave them a custom gifts like bracelets or something it was so cute uh it was really nice seeing like the friendships develop that way and I think that's something really unique to BTS too they a lot of their following is built upon um kind of the (laughs) behind the scenes uh stuff like the footage of them just like being human beings being friendly being goofy together so yeah but that track definitely super catchy um of course the music video they all have like crazy different colored like sugary cotton candy colored hair so very fun one of the major things bts got to do was an npr tiny desk session which in the context of america has become a pretty big deal and i wonder how did you find their music fitting within that context like what was that like for you as a fan oh that was one of my favorite performances when i was first starting to get into bts i remember 
I think it might have like auto played or like it was <laughs> uh, as I went down a YouTube rabbit hole of their performances. And I really love that one because I've seen many artists on Tiny Desk concerts, right? Very intimate. It's a Tiny Desk concert, right? Yeah. Um, and that one was really good because it was a good introduction to some of their older songs like Spring Day. That was a song that they played during that session, which was about the... I, I actually was not aware of this, but my friend Eugene told me that that song was about the tragedy of, what, what was it? There was a ship that sunk, or no, it was a ferry that sunk in South Korea with a bunch of students on board. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. And I went down a rabbit hole where I like watched a documentary about it, um, but that song was kind of a homage to that event. It was a huge tragedy. The, the, there's a refrain in that song that's like, uh, I miss you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I thought that that performance showed a really good mixture of their talents, right? It was more like, it was acoustic, it was them all sat in a row together. Um, and they played like their US jam, right? Their English language jam, like yeah. Dynamite. Uh, <laughs> but then they also played some of their older songs. Uh, which I really appreciated. Um, the the other song they played was "Save Me," which is one of their older songs too. Which is one of my favorite songs by them. Um, oh. It's just very vulnerable um, and almost like reminiscent of emo days because some of the lyrics are like very emo. <laughs> and it's funny, like looking at the comments of that NPR performance, I see a lot of like comments where. People are like, oh, like, I didn't really know much about BTS. I just, like, you know, watch NPR, Tiny Desk performances. And I'm actually, like, so shocked. Like, these guys are very talented. So, like, I, yeah. I enjoy reading all those comments because I was very much the same. I, like, gave them the brush off for years thinking that they were just, oh, dumb K-pop boy band, whatever. I'm not, I'm too old for this. But they are so talented and seeing that reflected in the comments of this NPR video was a uh, yeah it was a uh, it made me proud <laughs> that's amazing well okay like going into the next act and um you know I, I hope I uh won't get murdered for this oh. but when I looked into uh tomorrow together it felt like I was watching characters from like the Final Fantasy video game singing I have to be <laughs> honest that's kind of what it felt like well their hair their hair yeah, right? yeah. Their hair looks like Final Fantasy characters. So I'm not unique for pointing that out, right? No, 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 no. They definitely look, and they're so much younger too. Like they're they're definitely like, I, they're so. Tomorrow by Together, some they're more commonly known as TXT, but they are also on the same label as BTS. They're I believe the first boy band after. BTS debuted on the label so like I think something like six years later uh big hit music slash hype entertainment now uh de debut to TXT tomorrow by together yeah they're they for a while I only listened to BTS like same with like Blackpink right like for a while I only listened to Blackpink I listened to only BTS but then I started like letting YouTube music which is I mean I only use YouTube music because I'm on a family plan and I get premium. <laughs> I, <don't laughs> I just let the radio play some K-pop songs and they came on 
their song Anti-Romantic came on. I don't actually think there is a music video for that one, but I was just like, wow, this is this is very good. This is this is pretty good music. Um, and then I watched some of their music videos and I was like, oh my gosh, these are like anime characters or something. <laughs> like <laughs> they're different than BTS because I don't think dancing is really like the center point of this band as much as BTS, but like vocally, like musically, like it's it's a uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing, like. You know, I was I, I did like even though I said the Final Fantasy thing, like you know, it was said mostly in jest. I'm glad it's relatable, but I do have to say, like, these guys are really fucking talented. And I, I think what really um struck me with their music is how even though it's five guys singing, their vocals are both distinguishable and harmonious amongst each other. Like I feel like having that dynamic really stands out. Oh, a hundred percent. Actually, for certain songs of theirs, I thought it was a woman singing. <laughs> I know that. Like, oh yeah, but it's like same with BTS. Like the Jimin, his voice, he's it goes up so high. I'm like, that is <laughs> so talented. I was like, wow, I definitely cannot sing that high. <laughs> so I'm I'm impressed. Uh, same with TXT. Like they're they're some of the vocals. I was like, wow, that note, that's that's talent. I can't I can't even hit that note. Like yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, reading about these guys was interesting because I, I saw how they were born from the same management company we we're talking about that did BTS, uh, Big Hit Entertainment. And mm-hmm. I think the thing that stood out to me, though, is that when it came to Tomorrow Together, it was such a big event in South Korea in terms of like the anticipation towards their reveal. And can you describe that a bit for people? Because I think that's another element that just you know, unless you know about, if you don't, if you don't know about K-pop, you wouldn't know anything about this being a thing, I don't think. Yeah, definitely. So, like, the fact that a lot of these K-pop acts are put together by these management companies, like, there is a, like, a certain amount of mystery and secrecy prior to the debut. So, like, these trainees, these people who audition, get accepted, and train for these uh, acts, they train for years and years and years. And to some degree, I think that this is really beneficial to the act, right? It prepares them and ensures that they're actually ready to take on the musical world uh, and the pressures associated with them. Because like the management company does put a lot of um, resources and like, uh, I guess money, right? Like yeah. a lot is riding on this. So um, I actually don't know specifically about Tomorrow by Together's debut, but I, of course, you know, watched the Blackpink debut uh, or like the Blackpink documentary about their debut. And it was, you know, you the, you have a bunch of press there. Like I saw each yeah. member came out on stage one by one. It, it's like, this is what everything has been working towards. So that it's it's definitely like, it's very different because like it's very different than the kind of like music model in the states or elsewhere right where it's like oh like you get to self-discovered or like you're like more self-made or something like so yeah it's a it's a very different model yeah and you know i have to say that tune um anti-romantic like it totally knocked me off my feet and i think that song is a prime example of how 
we've talked about this a lot over the course of this podcast, but it's like, it bears repeating. It's like, you don't need to understand a foreign language to have the sentiment of the song hit you. And I think with that tune particularly, it's like, it really does just like cut through everything. Yeah, it makes me, honestly, it kind of like reminds me of like emo days to some degree. Like, how does it go? It's like, sorry, I'm an anti-romantic. I'm not going to sing for real on this, but like, yeah, it's it's it reminds me of like certain parts of like emo times, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, it's not what I would have expected from K-pop, uh, so that's why I was very surprised by it. A lot of their other songs, like I was I was randomly in a makeup store like a, a month ago, and like their song, I think Magic came on. Really, uh, I think that song is in full English. Um, I believe. I'm like, I'm in the middle of like LA, like mid city LA, and suddenly K pop is like playing at Ulta (laughs) while like looking at like nail press ons and shit. (laughs) Like, I was so surprised because, like, although they're pretty big in the K pop world, like, I didn't think that they were that they're not like a Blackpink or a BTS in the US, I don't think yet. So I was very surprised to hear their song playing. Before we get to the last act, there is another one we're going to talk about. We're like on act number five, and then there's a six act we're going to talk about. And um, I figured it was important that we talked about a pioneer, and that's Psy. Uh, most people undoubtedly remember him from his worldwide hit, uh, Gangnam Style, which it's insane to think that came out way back in 2012, like close to like... Oh, Korean. man. Like, I don't know what the exact date is, but we're getting close to 10 years ago, which is insane. But it needs to be said that Psy had quite the career both before and after that song, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think, like, Psy was such a great, like, oh, I'm going to butcher this, um, but they call it the how you, how, you know what I'm talking about? The how you wave or whatever. It's like the, the um, how korea culture has like taken over it's basically like the global popularity of uh the south korean culture right so um i feel like psy definitely was the the sort of like big bang explosion of that uh he was the one that blew k-pop like global and broke all the youtube records at the time with Gangnam Style and all that so I I think we would be remiss not to talk about that Um, although there are so many other acts right Um, I think he was the one that basically broke things through internationally you know obviously he had this big hit of a song and it was like you know worldwide and he still has a very considerable career but I wonder how do you feel size viewed among k-pop fans today like do you feel it's like there's an understanding of that legacy and like what he's achieved in a way amongst people yeah i would say so i think like people who are into k-pop now definitely respect him like he's definitely so creative um he's produced so many amazing catchy songs uh yeah. that transcend language right um so he, i think he's still definitely very respected i the fact that like <laughs> they're kim Young, v of bts like had has a selfie of or like a photo with him you know that's that's definitely something right yeah 
before we get to this last act, I mean, if you just consider everything we've talked about, I mean, how well is it we're talking about a spe- one specific genre of music? But over the course of this talk, we've had to talk about the multitudes of so many different things pertaining to just like culture and identity and like, you know, people internalizing feelings and wanting to feel accepted. It just, it's, it's just an interesting thing to reflect on in real time where it's just like, this is all spanning from just music. Yeah, definitely. I, I've even looking at BTS and their journey throughout like their career, um, they what I really respect about them is that, you know, they've partnered with the UN. They've partnered with UNICEF. I be- Am I making that up? I think they did. <laughs> they partnered <laughs> with a lot of organizations to sort of like um, address, you know, global warming, anti-bullying, like all these real topics that relate to like to, to really make a change in the world and I really appreciate that um and I think so many of their earlier stuff was a little bit questionable to me where I was like mm, this is a little bit misogynistic like this is a little bit like you know you're trying to be tough boy try hard a little bit but like I what I love to love about them is that later on like even recently as like last year they take ownership of that they they say like oh yes we've like we've noticed that like some of our we've gotten feedback that some of our older works have been kind of not great in terms of uh gender equality and that sort of thing and so whenever we write things we do like consult with um gender professors and like stuff like that so like I love the fact that they can um create that dialogue and have that sort of like ownership with themselves to like evolve and be better like same with like cultural appropriation right because and there's so many nuances of that within k-pop itself like i know blackpink does a lot they they are definitely guilty of some cultural appropriation stuff but with like braids that lalisa often sports and whatnot but i think that there are also a lot of nuances to that right because like they revere hip hop culture and rap, but because they're in South Korea, they are not ingrained in the turmoil and they haven't lived in the turmoil of say, like living in America and understanding the sort of racial clashes and the problems associated with that. So I don't think that they have the necessary sort of um, context for like why something is not okay. But I do appreciate when they're able to grow from that, when they're able to realize like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have like dreads. Like maybe we shouldn't do this. Like, have you noticed that too? Like as a black man, since you've been diving into K-pop? No, that's a good question. Like, I'm glad you asked it in the sense that like, because I'm sure maybe someone listening might be like, hey, they talk about appreciate appropriation sometimes but they don't really delve into it but i feel i'll be i'll feel fine doing it i think for me as a black man but also as someone who's traveled a lot and has dealt with people in a lot of different cultures even though there is that undeniable aspect of the appropriation i personally never see it as malicious i mean you could look at it as being like exploited from the context of like commercialism but i've always viewed i tend to view it as like to even take the time to delve into that culture and have it represent something on an on an extroverted level means that there generally is some kind of respect towards it i think some people would hear that i think that's naive but 
I guess for me, I rarely find it to be offensive depending on, it's all context-based. I guess that's the easy way to say it. Like, I always consider the context and like, you know, like I've been in Europe. I, I mean, I travel mostly within Europe and it's like, you know, see German kids in like fucking track suits and like listen to fucking Snoop Dogg and shit. And it's like, it's weird as shit, but it's like to them that means something. So I guess it's like, I've, I've seen a lot of instances like this all over the world and it, it doesn't bother me because I always consider like, there's a time investment there that has some correlation to being genuine. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. I, I think it would be one thing if it was happening in America <laughs> yeah. versus internationally. I, I think it's it's just like when you're in South Korea or like an Asian country, it's just so homogenous. It's less like of a melting pot with a historical context as you would get in America. So the fact that like, you know, they can grow from that. They can recognize when perhaps like it is a little bit overboard and not do that again um, <laughs> is something that I can appreciate. Same with kind of like the gender um, equality stuff. Like that it's definitely like, that's something I'm appreciative that they do, that they've learned from. They receive that feedback. Now they like are more conscious of it. They actually like defer to gender professors and like that sort of thing to improve upon. So. That's something that I really uh, respect. Yeah, it's um, important. And we finally arrive at our last act. And I'm pretty sure everyone can guess who it is. Because funnily enough, I have to say that they're my favorite out of all the acts that I researched for this. And naturally, that's Blackpink. Um, <laughs> I, I fucking love this group, man. I love them. And to me, they're so unbelievable because no disrespect to bts at all because bts are fucking huge but there is something about blackpink that with everything i've seen about them they definitely like jump in and call me crazy but it's just i think the way they embody the bigness the magnitude the massiveness of like what they are is just so appeal it's it's like um it's blaring it's like so like they just there's something about do you know what i'm trying to say it's like yeah no i i i think I absolutely know what you mean. They're they're forced to be reckoned with. When I when I like I said when I watched their live performance at Coachella, I was like, "Whoa, these are powerful women." Yeah. Um, they're not just like a girl group or whatever. Yeah. So I mean, when you think about them in this context of their career as well, like it's insane that they've achieved so much with essentially just two albums. And again, as a fan of the genre. I'd love to hear, what do you make of Blackpink and their success? Like, because that's really just wild, right? Yeah, I mean, like many of the K-pop acts, they, even though they they seemingly only have two albums, right? Like, they have trained all their lives for this. Like, I, I believe, like, some of them, after they auditioned and, like, made it to the management company stage, like, they train for up to, I think, six years or so before they actually debut, like, as a group, as a band. So for them, I feel like, oh, maybe, like, they achieved so much success with just, you know, these two albums, but they've, they've really been training for such a long time, like, since high school, <laughs> um, I would say. Yeah, I think I think like since they were like 14 or they're different ages, but like around that age. And yeah, so was, I, I think that their success is extremely well earned. They have sacrificed a lot. You know, I, I think about the all these 
acts pretty much like sacrificing their childhood essentially to train so hard. Um, they didn't really have normal lives. Um, they were away from their families while training. They live in dormitories together essentially. Their, it was their life to dance and sing and like sometimes have language lessons too because I know Blackpink, that's another aspect of them that they're actually surprisingly not all South Korean um, and South Korean oh. is not their native language too. So oh, where are they had language from? I didn't I actually didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. So uh, Lalisa, she's actually Thai. Um, she was born in Thailand uh, oh. and she didn't know Korean. <laughs> she actually like spent a lot of youth as a dancer. That was her main thing. And she basically went on an audition, got selected, and then she moved to South Korea. And during this time, she also had uh, South Korean like language lessons as well. So um, that's another thing that really impressed me about this group. The fact that, that they're so international, like each member is so international. So like Lalisa, she's from Thailand. Um, and then... Rosé is from New Zealand, and then Jenny is from Australia. So they both speak English fluently, okay. but with New Zealand and Australian accents. <laughs> that is hysterical. I... Yeah, and Jisoo is the only one that um, is, uh, is born and bred in <laughs> South Korea. So... Yeah, but they all speak so they all speak between them. They speak so many languages. <laughs> it's that crazy. Is, it really is trippy. And, you know, we've talked about music videos a bit in the context of this podcast earlier. And I have to say, I mean, in my humble opinion, it can't be denied. Blackpink have the best videos. I mean, Jesus, like. The... I will fight you on that. But... Oh, will you fight me <laughs> I on do that? love their videos. Do, do you feel like uh, it's BTS for you then in terms of videos? Of like, course it's BTS. Yeah, you course. Can't, no question. But I mean, dude, think about the video of like Blackpink's for uh, Kill This Love. I mean, that is okay. Insane. That's insane. Fine. Yes, it's very good. <laughs> but tell like, me listen, that was a music video. That was a that was a thing that got me in, right? I That was a song that was in Just Dance that I danced oh, to. Yeah. Like, Everything, the choreography, like the costumes, that very Laura Croft vibes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, There's just this yeah. like firm dedication to the craft in that sense. And tell me this, like, what would you so would you say that's your favorite Blackpink video, or do you have another one? Oh gosh. Um yeah, that one was one of my favorites, I would say for for sure. Do 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 also very much a banger, but lovesick girls. That's really fun too. Um, I think that one is a, a slightly different vibe, right? Because like Kill This Love, it's very much like an anthem of like, it's, it's almost like an, it's an anti-love anthem. Uh, whereas like Lovesick Girls, it's more airy, like they're in a car and like, you know. But yeah, I, I like the music video for Lovesick Girls too. And, you know, before we wrap, like we're at the end, but, you know, in 2020, Netflix released a documentary about them called Light Up the Sky, and I've yet to see it. It's been on my to watch list. I absolutely am going to do this after this chat, but I would love to hear what you thought about it, because, I mean, I know from people who watch it, they say that it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I've watched a couple of these documentaries. I've, I've watched a couple of documentaries about BTS and then also the history of K-pop, and then I also watched the Black Pink one. The Black Pink one in particular, 
I think it did a really good job of explaining the reasons for each person's like sort of like um, mission, right? Like how how they came about to join this band. Um, how like what what are they really passionate about? What are their dreams? And what have had what did they have to give up to do this? And along with the pressures, right? Like going back to a lot of like, they never had like the regular high school experience. They never had like, like the, the, the same sort of like high school friends, dances, et cetera. Um, they lived apart from their family at such a young age, like in a different country, <laughs> you know? It, it The documentary, I think just really humanized them because I think it's really easy to sort of like, look at all these K-pop acts, including Blackpink and think that, oh, well, they're just spoiled. <laughs> they're just, you know, they're just pretty women who are like, you know, thrust into stardom. And they, they're just, a, a lot of the things that I hear from people are like, oh, K-pop is so manufactured and K-pop is just so, you know, toxic. And like, it's the, it creates all these girls that are just so tired and with like mental health issues and like bulimia and eating disorders and stuff. And yeah, like, that's certainly one side of it, like the toxic side of it, but you can't deny that the other side of it is like, these are all individuals who signed up for this experience because they have very powerful dreams and aspirations. And this was a way for them to achieve it, right? Like the documentary talked about how, you know, they they didn't want to go back home as failures and how hard it was to see like week after week, some of their peers getting eliminated uh, because even if you're a trainee, that doesn't guarantee that you're actually going to get, um, you're going to get debut. You're not, you're not, you're going to, yeah. So that's really heart-wrenching, like imagining like how for Blackpink to be a thing, like how many other dreams were like, didn't make it um, after years and years of training and then like leaving the country and then sacrificing like that time in your life, like your, 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 your high school years, your, you know, to yeah. do this, your youth essentially to do it. So yeah, it was also very aspiring, like inspiring because it makes you think like, what is important to me? What, what would I, what would make it worth it? So I would, sacrifice so much or like put so much of my life into this so yeah i mean i'm not here feeling bad for millionaires or billionaires <laughs> <laughs> no not I, I certainly would never not that life never that um, you weren't capable yeah yeah eat the rich eat the rich, eat the you rich. Know? yeah yeah eat yeah. the rich <laughs> tax them tax them to hell you know but like i'm just saying that these these people do not have easy lives i do not envy them i do not want to have their lives mm. i think about this a lot with like i mean that's why there's so many suicides in k-pop land too that that pressure of like what's the next thing that i have to do like how do i top this like who am i if i if this ends you know like because they all know that there is like an expiration date right like you know youth doesn't go on forever this is an unkind industry to aging so i i think like particularly with COVID like imagine being in the height of your career and then like having COVID happen and not being able to tour or progress in your career like you would definitely feel like oh crap 
I'm in the prime of my youth and my like the height of my career and like I'm unable to enjoy it or like push forward momentum. So I think there's definitely like so many mental health challenges with being a K-pop act. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the big reason I wanted us to do this is because from the outside, for me, and I've I think I mentioned this earlier, is that, you know, seeing K-pop as like this gargantuan, just, you know, all-encompassing thing that's taken over the world it just very much seems that way to me like it's its own world and if there's anything that I feel like I've learned in the context of this conversation is that that the truth of that it really is its own world huh yeah it definitely is I think it's a better world (laughs) (laughs) something tells me many people agree with you wait thanks so much like this is awesome man yeah, of course. I'm like happy to spread the gospel. I feel like I've joined a cult or something. <laughs> Thank you so much for checking this out. Be sure to subscribe to the new exchange via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you stream podcasts. Until next time, thank you for listening.